The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by the Valentine Museum. Its Richmond History Makers event honors the individuals, organizations, objects, and even moments that have shaped Richmond's history over the past 125 years. Thursday, April 11th, part of a week-long celebration at the Valentine. Tickets can be purchased at richmondhistorymakers.com. I'm Benjamin Dolly, and this is the VPM Daily Newscast. Severe storms moving throughout central Virginia have brought significant rainfall, which is expected to raise water levels in the James River to historic levels. Forecasters are expecting the water to rise to 19 feet later today. It hasn't been that high since 1996, when the levels reached 21 feet. As of yesterday, the water level was around 14 and a half feet. The city's flood walls have been activated in response to the heavy rainfall. The National Weather Service in Wakefield has issued a number of flood advisories and warnings throughout the region. When the NWS issues a warning, it means flooding is imminent or occurring. Virginia's top Republican election official is pushing back on GOP claims of fraud. As Ben Pavia reports, his comments come as two Republican congressional hopefuls refuse to concede races they lost. Republicans Leon Benjamin and Manga Anantatmua both lost by more than 20 points, but are holding out and claiming fraud. John O'Bannon, the lone Republican on the three-person Board of Elections, says there's no signs of foul play. I think the elections have generally been fair and safe. The Republican Party of Virginia put out a fundraising email on Tuesday claiming Democrats were out to steal the election. But in an interview, party chair Rich Anderson says he has not seen widespread voter fraud in Virginia. He also defended comments he made on Twitter that it's time to, quote, figuratively burn down the state board of elections and department of elections. What I mean by that is we need to take a clean sheet approach to our election systems in Virginia. The board of elections will certify results on Monday. Ben Pavier, VPM News. State revenues are up nearly 7 percent since July compared to the same period last year. That's an improvement from a state forecast that had predicted a 2 percent decline. In a statement, Governor Ralph Northam said the increase shows Virginia is on sound financial footing despite the pandemic. State officials and business leaders will meet later this month to update their revenue projections. The city of Richmond is grappling with the coronavirus pandemic hitting its workforce. As Roberta Roldan reports, there are currently 25 confirmed cases among city employees. In addition to the 25 employees who have contracted COVID-19, 57 other city workers are currently quarantining. That includes 37 people within the Richmond Police Department. At his weekly COVID-19 briefing, Mayor LeVar Stoney called the numbers a wake-up call. I know it's like a broken record, but COVID-19 is real. It's virulent, and it does not recognize family ties or recognize your COVID bubbles. City Health Department Director Dr. Danny Avula says the coronavirus outbreak at the Richmond Registrar's Office has also increased to 11 cases. He says that outbreak may have been caused in part because workers weren't able to social distance as they conducted the election. Roberto Roldan, VPM News. New coronavirus cases in Richmond overall are trending upward for the second month in a row. On average, 40 residents are testing positive each day. Dr. Avula is warning that with people celebrating the holidays, case counts could reach similar levels to what we saw during the peak in the spring. We've got to rigorously screen ourselves from symptoms. We've got to make conservative decisions, even when we have mild symptoms, to stay home and get tested. And then mask wearing and six-foot distancing really needs to be enforced. If not, whenever people get together, we're going to see transmission. Avula says one piece of good news is that hospitalizations in the city are remaining low. There are currently 24 coronavirus outbreaks in Richmond, mostly at nursing homes and other congregate settings like workplaces and social gatherings. 
Health officials confirmed yesterday there was a cluster of COVID-19 cases in the office of the Richmond Commonwealth's attorney in the last two weeks. At least 25 city employees are now infected. Whitney Evans reports. Richmond Health Department Director Danny Avula said during the city's weekly COVID update, six people in the Commonwealth's attorney's office recently tested positive. Avula said a group of employees contracted the virus after attending a social gathering. He said three of them have cleared their isolation period and returned to the office, while others remain quarantined and are awaiting test results. Avula said later in an email, an investigation found no exposures to the general public. Commonwealth's attorney Colette McEachin declined to comment, citing state and federal health privacy laws. Earlier this week, the Richmond Registrar notified the public of an outbreak in her office. Employees there are quarantined at least through Monday. Mayor LeVar Stoney's office is also quarantined after his campaign manager tested positive. Whitney Evans, VPM News. The number of COVID-19 cases and positive tests is growing in Henrico. Data from the Virginia Department of Health has the county in its highest risk category for transmission in schools. During a meeting yesterday, Beth Tigan of the school board's health committee said Henrico schools are keeping a close eye on the numbers to see if the increase could be directly linked to COVID-19 spread in schools. Upon the review of large-scale outbreaks, the committee would likely recommend a scale back in learning, in-person learning. As of now, Henrico schools plan to start bringing young students back to classrooms on November 30th with the goal of having all students back by February. Thirteen people have tested positive at Henrico school buildings this month. The Chesterfield County School Board has approved the creation of an early childhood academy for pre-kindergarten students. Over the past five years, the school district has experienced a nearly 50% increase in pre-kindergarten enrollment, but officials say there isn't enough space to serve all those students. School Board Chair Debbie Bailey says the new center will help meet those needs for pre-kindergarten services in the community. The academy is expected to open in fall 2021 after renovations have been completed at the old Harrogate Elementary School. Henrico County 8th graders interested in applying to high school specialty centers can begin the online application process on Monday. Virtual open houses are continuing as well. The open houses are happening between November 17th and December 8th. They'll hold two sessions at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., No registration is required and participation is free. The application deadline for students is January 15, 2021. To apply, go to henricoschools.us slash specialty centers. Earlier this week, the General Assembly agreed to spend $1 million on an investigation into the practices and traditions at Virginia Military Institute. News reports uncovered stories of black cadets and alumni who say they experienced racism from faculty and other cadets. Whitney Evans has been following this story for a few weeks. She sat down with VPM newscast editor Sarah McCluskey to talk about it. Hey, Whitney. Hey, Sarah. Whitney, let's start from the beginning. How did these allegations of racism surface? Well, the General Assembly's recent actions and a high-profile VMI resignation would have you believe that this is a brand new issue. The situation was thrust into the national spotlight when the Washington Post picked up the story in mid-October. But actually, alumni were on social media calling for change long before that. The Roanoke Times published a story about this in early June. A recent graduate started a Change.org petition to remove the statue of Confederate General Stonewall Jackson from campus. VMI graduate Kenia Lee submitted a complaint about a white professor who, she says, spoke sort of wistfully in class about her family's connection to the Ku Klux Klan. Lee told me last month she doesn't actually think VMI is a bad place. It just needs a structural change for people like myself to succeed. So I'm willing to do whatever and take that stand and be brave enough for the people after me. 
So how did VMI officials react to all of this? They said they were disappointed that these students and former students had these experiences. Uh, the superintendent at the time, J.H. Benford P., released a really sort of heartened statement saying, quote, The Institute must and will self-reflect and be open to growth and greater understanding of the inequalities and prejudices that still exist today. And then in late July, General P. announced some steps the school would take to try and address the concerns. And they included reviewing history courses to make sure they're taught in the proper context and also from different perspectives. Cadets are also now required to take a new class called American Civic Experience that explores issues like racial injustice and slavery. VMI leaders also promised to change some historic symbols on campus. The cadet oath ceremony, for example, will no longer involve a sort of reenactment of a Civil War battle that VMI cadets fought on behalf of the Confederacy. Now, this brings us to the Washington Post story published in mid-October. What kind of impact did that story have? It really seemed to wake up state leaders to the experiences that black cadets are reporting. A couple of days after that story was published, Governor Ralph Northam and other state leaders called for an independent investigation into the complaints. Northam expressed disappointment, saying in so many words that it's clear that the school isn't fixing the problem on its own. And in a letter to the VMI Board of Visitors, the governor and those state officials called out VMI for a, quote, clear and appalling culture of ongoing struggle racism. General P. resigned under pressure from Northam, who was a VMI graduate himself. And the House and Senate amended the state budget to pay for the investigation. While many Republicans opposed the amendment, Senate Minority Leader Tommy Normant, also a VMI graduate, voted for it. We need to stop hyperventilating. We need to allow this investigation to go forward and for the results to come out and to be made public. But Norman also called out the governor and other Democratic state leaders for rushing to judgment, especially considering their own battles with accusations of racism and sexual misconduct. He addressed Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, who previously called rape allegations against him a media lynching. And I suggest, Mr. President, taking some comments that you made in 2019, we cannot let the media lynch VMI. That's a strong comparison given the racial nature of this investigation. Whitney, what are some of the things you'll be keeping track of with this story? What's next? What's next is we wait and see where this investigation goes. VMI says they welcome the probe and have pledged their full cooperation, but they maintain that the reviews won't find anything alarming and that the incidents that black cadets reported were handled individually and didn't necessarily represent the culture of the school. That investigation is due at the end of the year. Well, thank you, Whitney, for looking into this. You're welcome. All the stories you've heard can be found online at vpm.org news. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. VPM.